For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the form of those things itself, can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually every year make those who approach perfect. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, You have not desired sacrifice and offering, but you have prepared a body for me. You have not taken pleasure in whole burnt offerings and offerings for sin. Then I said, Behold, I have come, it is written of me in the scroll of the book, to do your will, O God. After saying above, Sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and offerings for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us. For after saying, this is the covenant which I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws upon their hearts and write them on their mind. He then says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will no longer remember. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, an offering for sin is no longer required. Let's walk about. Good morning. I was really thinking uh, of reading this passage and just saying, okay, our, our sins are completely paid for. Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross was all we needed. Um, it's complete, one and done, and then just sit down. Um, this passage speaks for itself. And it's been my privilege to be studying it as I've been preparing the message this morning. Hey. Not sure if I'm doing something. Um, I'm thankful for God's word because it reminds us of things that maybe we know but have not really internalized. And this morning I'm hoping that um, God's word will help with the internalization of a truth that is core, foundational, essential to our salvation. It is elementary and yet it is something that we can't miss. The difference between knowing and believing, the difference between living and being enslaved to sin that's around us, that barrier is very small. One of the things that Teresa talk, talks about, one of the things that she liked about me when I, we were dating was, you were confident but not cocky, right? What's that line? As Christians, how do we have confidence in our salvation, but not arrogance in the forgiveness that's so freely given? All of us have a different place on that line that we struggle with. Some of you this morning are being defeated by sin, and it's weighing on you 
heavily. You don't know how to get out of that cycle. Some of us this morning don't even think we sinned, sinned this last week. And we think we're doing pretty well. And we're missing out on the grace that is afforded to us in Christ. And so this morning as we go through, Brian, thank you for reading. As we go through these 18 verses, um, it really speaks for itself. And so I just ask you as we look at it together, may we really consider not just intellectually, but practically, how do I live these verses out? How do I live in such a way that internalizes that Jesus Christ's sacrifice is complete? My sins are paid for. I can know that, but do I live that? His sacrifice was one and done. How many things do we do in life that we do once and then never have to do it again? Born, die. I had a short list. Jesus, it's, it's foreign for us to think of something to be done once and complete and done. And that's what Jesus Christ's death on the cross was. The priests continually, continually, continually brought sacrifices, killed the lamb, blood was spilt, went through the same thing. Those of you that, the closest thing I can think of is those of us that deer hunt and you process your own deer. Imagine doing that all the time and being reminded I'm doing this because I'm a sinner. Our people are sinners and knowing that it really wasn't going to affect anything. That you were looking forward to that perfect lamb that would come. A covering of sin, but a, a routine that God put in place and it says God didn't want sacrifices, but it was the closest thing he could give. The passage prior to this is talking about the reality of the throne room of heaven. And the picture that God gave was the priest offering a sacrifice for sin in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God. But the priests in the Old Testament had to sacrifice for themselves too. Our Savior went to the cross for us and sacrificed not for himself, but for our sins. I never know which way to push this. On. Charles Spurgeon, as I was looking at this, just said, um, I love this quote, we shall have this morning to repeat a truth which has sounded forth from this pulpit hundreds of times, but we shall offer no apology for our repetition, seeing that the truth be preached is one which cannot too often be proclaimed. Even so, it seems to me that certain doctrines, especially the doctrines of atonement and justification by faith, are like the guiding stars, and we ought frequently to point them out. Make sure that our children know them, that all who listen to us, whatever else they may be mistaken about or clear about these, the guides of men to the haven of freedom and eternal rest. You may be sitting here this morning and maybe you're saved and maybe the message this morning is, it's time to let go of the bondage of sin and recognize that Jesus Christ paid for all sin and it is finished. You may be sitting here this morning hoping that you're saved. I talked with a man a couple weeks ago. Excuse me, he... he when he answered the question, if you were to die today and stand before God, and he were to say, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And he said, you know, God knows all the bad things I've done. Uh, he'd know if I deserve to go or not. 
you may have that answer this morning. Maybe you're hoping. And hopefully this morning's message will make it clear that that is not God's way. God's plan is for us to know that we have eternal life. His offer of salvation is sincere. He's not just given us a, hey, come to my house and then hope you find your way. If I say, come to my house and don't give you the address or directions, that's not a sincere offer. And yet some of us want to work our way. Some of us think we need to continue to gain God's favor by doing good. We want to gain God's favor. And that relationship is amiss because we don't recognize he's our loving father that wants to help us. Yes, we want to please him. Yes, we want to obey him, but it's not to gain his favor. We couldn't get any more favor. It's to please him and glorify him and to love him. Verses one through four that Brian read. Verses one just talks about repeating again and again and and the sacrifices of the Old Testament. As you read those, it can be exhausting, right? Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. All the things, right? And then Jesus comes and says, do this in remembrance of me and kind of leaves it wide open. We had a breaking bread service this morning. Um, it's not the prescribed way. It's in simplicity, trying to keep the focus on Christ, right? He could have given us, okay, at 9.05, Ben stands up. At 9.17, Adam stands up, right? Like, he didn't do that. He said, remember me and given us open doors. Priests had to sacrifice year after year. But that, those sacrifices didn't take away the guilt of sin. There was still a barrier. There's still a lack of payment for sin. A continual reminder of their sins. And those old sacrifices were incapable of taking away sins. Then verses 5 through 7 is really a, flex, a reflection of Psalm 40. If you want to go there, it's interesting just to see how God intertwines his word. And that whole picture that's there of Jesus' fulfillment of the Old Testament trespass offerings, the sacrifice, sacrifices and drink offerings and, and all of the different types and how he fulfills each and every one of them on our behalf. It's a beautiful thing, a great study if you'd like to do it. Jesus' death was perfect and it was God's will. Some people are like, confused by this fact. Why would God be an abusive dad and send his son to, to the cross? God is not an abusive dad that would send his son to the cross. He's a loving father that said, son, I need you to do this. And Jesus was obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. What a wonderful thing that has been done for us us being the whole world, us being that person in Walmart that irritates you, that person that cuts you off, that kid that keeps trying your patience in Awana, whatever it might be. Jesus loved each one of them so much that he died for all of us. The Old Testament sacrifice replaced by Jesus' perfect sacrifice. Verse 10, if you've got your Bible open, sanctified, to be made holy, set apart through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all, once for all time. What a sacrifice. In God's sight, he sees a sinful, selfish, prideful man, Bob Smith, through the blood of Christ, says I'm his, 
says I'm forgiven, says I'm holy and sanctified in his presence, why should I live any longer in defeat of sin? Why should I run away? Why should I cringe when I do sin and, and try and fix it on my own instead of running to that father that sees me as his and perfect? It's one and done, no repeat needed. Praise God for that. Is God's forgiveness, is his grace, is Jesus' sacrifice big enough to pay for whatever sin that is that you're carrying in your back pocket this morning that's keeping you from living a dynamic life for Christ? Sometimes I think all of us should run for political office just to get the garbage out. <laughs> we don't want to celebrate our sin. We don't want to celebrate our weakness. But sometimes we cower and we think, oh, what if they find out about this about me? I was locked out of my house one time. I came home too late and it was a repeated offense and I spent the night in the barn. I deserve that. We didn't lock our house. I knew it was up. I don't know what's in your past. I don't know what's in your present. I don't know what's in your future, but God's grace is great enough to cover it. Let's not live defeated lives. Jesus Christ's sacrifice was once and for all, it does not have to be repeated. I do not have to pay for my sin. I can't anyway. That doesn't mean that we take cheap grace, but the opportunity for us to come to him and say, Lord, help me to live a holy life. Sanctify me. Help me to sin, not less, but sin when it happens to come to you and depend on you. Each of us have sin. Some of you this week can't think of a sin you committed this week. Some of you this morning can't get that sin out of your mind. Both extremes are such that we need Christ. Both extremes are such that we need to recognize that this salvation is complete. We have been bought with a price. The Old Testament sacrifices could never take away sins. Jesus Christ's sacrifice is one and done. He sat down. Why? You don't sit down till you're done. What did he say on the cross? It is finished. Brothers and sisters, this is a foundational, this is the last of the doctrines in, in Hebrews. And we're going to jump into practical teaching. We've been going through Jesus is greater than, right? It's been wonderful. This is really a pointed that Jesus' sacrifice, the pivotal work of all eternity was greater than any other sacrifice that could have been made. He was according to God's will, and we can count on it. Jesus sat down. He's waiting the, for, for the end to prove it. And verse 13 talks about Jesus coming back victorious. We are perfected forever. Verse 14, those who have believed on Jesus for forgiveness of sins are perfect in God's eyes. Let me say that again. Those who have believed on Jesus for forgiveness of sins are perfect in God's eyes. Raise your hand if you're perfect this morning. Raise your hand if you're perfect in God's eyes this morning. If you know him, if I know him, it's not because, sorry, that was supposed to be a pop quiz. If you know him, you know that you're a sinner. But Jesus Christ's death on the cross paid for that sin. Jesus Christ's death on the cross 
took it as far away as from the east as from the west so that God sees you not only as his child, but sees you as one that's been bought and paid for and dealt with. The sin has been judged. In the Old Testament, it was covered. In the New Testament, it is paid for. When you are paying on something, if you have a mortgage on your home, is that really your house? Yeah, we live at, our house is this. But if you have a mortgage on it, do you really own it? Our salvation is completely paid for. It is title delivered. That guarantee of that title is the Holy Spirit that lives within you and me, those of us that know Christ. The opportunity for us to live lives so no longer encumbered by the slavery of sin is there if we will only avail ourselves. Wearsby says, we have a perfect standing before God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Before this study, I have to say that, you know what, when I sin, my response is not this. I don't first run to, wow, that sin's already been paid for. I'm a child of the king. A lot of times I want to go try and fix it, or I want to try and stop it, or I want to hide it, or I want to, whatever it is. And God's saying, Bob, I know. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ knew I would be a mess up, screw up, and he still died for me. He still died for you. That's good news. We don't have to measure up. We don't have to try and earn his favor. We can live freely lives that are empowered by the Holy Spirit, those of us that have trusted him. What a position we have. How do we know we're saved? If you want to turn to the verse 15 through, sorry, Hebrews 10, 15 to 18, then we're going to do a sword drill here in a little bit. You may be sitting here this morning, you know about Jesus, you know you're a sinner, you may have all of the, I need to do this, I need to do that, but you may be sitting there and going, I wonder if I'm really saved. It's an eternal gap. Sorry. The difference between Believing and not believing is an eternity in heaven or an eternity in hell. Someday we're going to stand before a holy, holy, holy God. Thank you for the songs this morning. Holy, holy, holy God. And we are going to be undone just like Isaiah was. But we can go, but Jesus, Jesus died for me. I trusted in him. I'm betting my life, my eternity on that. Not because it's a feeling, but because God's word says so. You can leave here today, right now in your seat, knowing that you're saved. Those of us that are saved, that have the Holy Spirit inside, we need to really examine our lives. Am I living in the victory that is mine in Christ? Or am I living as kind of one foot in sin and one foot out, not truly taking that position as a son of the creator of the universe, as a child that he sees as perfect. The Holy Spirit, verse 15. 
The Holy Spirit bears witness for us, to us. If you have put your trust in Christ, that transaction happens and the Holy Spirit comes in and gives you a confidence, or not to be cocky, but a confidence that we are the children of God. The opportunity for us to share that happens when we know we have that forgiveness and salvation. Then we can go to the world around us and say, hey, do you have forgiveness of sins? Do you have the Holy Spirit inside? I'll put my laws in their hearts and their minds. God's given us not just an active conscience, but now we have the benefit of the Holy Spirit that indwells us that says, hey, Bob, that's wrong. Not for condemnation of eternal condemnation, but for, for God's glory's sake. God chooses not to remember our sin. I want to stop here. Maybe you're sitting here saying, you know what, Bob, I'm saved. I know it. Is there someone around you that you need to forgive because God's already forgiven them? Is there a bitterness in your heart against someone? Maybe they've habitually sinned against you and you're tired of it and you're just saying, well, I'm going to stand back and wait and see if you really change this time. Thank God he does not do that with us. Why would you put yourself in a position that not even God puts himself in? Husbands, something about your wife you need to forgive? Get on with it. How can you do that when it's a repeated, repeated, repeated wives with your husbands? And then it goes to kids, whoever's closest in your life. Bitterness is a pill we expect someone else to die from that we take. It's not going to happen. I need to look at Adam as one that is holy in God's sight. Does that mean that he doesn't offend me? Some, not very much. So, <laughs> We're going to offend one another. We're all sinful. Let's get over it. We need to pull for one another to pull each other toward Christ. When I offend you, you have a choice. Man, Bob's a jerk. True. Bob's been paid, bought, his sin has been bought and paid for by the creator of the universe, one and done through the finished work of Jesus Christ. If Jesus can forgive him, I can forgive him too. Not because he deserves it, not because it's easy, not because it doesn't cost me anything, not because I can count on him never offending me again, but because Jesus Christ is greater. God chooses not to remember our sin. We can't make that one and done choice, but we certainly can choose to forgive. We are not an infinite God that can just, right? We remember the things we shouldn't. We forget the things that we should remember, right? Forgiveness, remission of sin, no additional sacrifice is needed. I want to jump into something here in the time that remains that I hope will be an encouragement. Guilt, repentance, confession, and forgiveness. Hebrews 10.2, 
If they could have provided, that being the sacrifices, perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, but the worshipers would have been purified once for all and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. Those in the Old Testament knew that this lamb's blood was not the final transaction that had to happen for their sin to be forgiven. They knew that before God, he was a covering. Guilt is a feeling, guilt is feeling responsible for having done something wrong and especially something against the law. What is our typical response? Adam and Eve in Genesis, they ran. They ran from God. When I sin, what do I do? Do I pull an Adam and Eve and run for the bushes? Understandable, right? God's holy. He's awesome. He does not put up with sin. He wants us to be holy. David, he kept it inside and it, was a, it physically impaired him for a year's time until he's finally confronted with his sin. Are you carrying a sin this morning that needs to be dealt with? God knows already. David didn't have to wait for Nathan to say, you're the man. He knew what he did. He just hadn't dealt with it. Man after God's own heart. You may be sitting here saved and have something in your life that you need to deal with. Please, brother, I, I beg with you, sister, deal with it so that God can then continue to use you. How do we deal with it? Yes, we can feel guilty about it, but that's not where it stops. Judas, he felt guilty, and what did he do? He said, I can't fix it, so I'm done. I'm checking out. Some people are not here this morning, believers in Christ, sin in their life, and they've just said, you know what? I'm out. I'm not saying Judas was saved or unsaved. We're not going into that this morning. But there are people that are not here. The saying is, God will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from God. Maybe you're not serving like you should because there's sin in your life and you know it. Judas wanted to deal with his own sin by himself. That's overwhelming. You know you can't do that. I can't do that. Jesus' work is finished. It's complete. It's one and done. It's over. Our sin is not to keep us wallowing in guilt, wallowing in defeat, wallowing in really self. The next step, hopefully, is repentance. A lot of people get stuck in guilt. You feel bad, and some people like to feel bad. Oh, I feel so awful. Well, who, what good are you? You're focused on yourself still. You're of no use to God. Repentance is a personal, absolute, and ultimate, unconditional surrender to a sovereign Savior. Wow, that's a sentence, huh? Though it includes sorrow and regret... It's more than that. In repentance, one makes a complete change of direction. 180 degrees toward God. Repentance is not, oh, I need to stop this and I'm going to go fix it on my own. Repentance is a turning to God and saying, God, I agree with you. This was wrong. This is sin. I'm sorry. I need help. Not a, just a minute, God, let me get this figured out and I'll come back. Repentance is, yes, feeling sorry for what we've done, but it's more than that. 
And it, repentance is not, oh, I'm sorry I got caught. How many times as a kid were you forced to say sorry to your sibling? You weren't really sorry. That's not repentance. God wants us to be sorry because it was that sin that put Jesus Christ on the cross for me. David, 2 Samuel, 1 Chronicles, when he was confronted with his sin, what did he realize first? He killed someone, he was immoral. He could have said a whole bunch of things. I have sinned against the Lord. When I sin, if I offend Caleb, do I think, oh, it's okay because Caleb will get over it? I've sinned against God, the holy God creator of the universe who died, sent his son to die for me. Do I see my sin in the way that God does? That it's against a holy, holy, holy God. As I view my sin that way, all of a sudden sin doesn't become okay. Cheap grace goes out the door. My desire is to please him. If you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians 7. 2 Corinthians 7. I've got the ESV. If you've got other versions, I, that's great. 2 Corinthians 7. You know, we're talking about sin this morning. There are a lot of pulpits in America that don't even say that word because it's offensive. We don't like to be confronted with our ugliness. We don't like to look at ourselves in the mirror first thing in the morning before we've had a chance to do something about it. We all know we're sinful. Let's quit living under the bondage of that sin. Let's quit living avoiding it. Let's deal with it and run to the Savior. We have guilt, repentance, running to Christ. This is Paul, verse 8. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I do, did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. Paul had pointed out a sin in the church. He said, hey, you guys need to deal with this. What are you doing? Is there a sin in your life that you're proud of? That was what was happening here. Paul confronted him. As it is, I rejoice, not because you are grieved, so guilt is not the, not the ultimate response God's after. You think, hey, man, I'm sorry for my sin. Judas was sorry for his sin. He tried to deal with it himself and checked out. That's not God's desire. We're going to feel, those of us that know Christ, the Holy Spirit inside is going to say, Bob, that was wrong. It's sin. It needs to be dealt with. If I stay there, that's not the point. As it is, I rejoice that not because you are grieved, but because you are grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no less through us. For, verse 10, for godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. When we repent... When we have guilt, when we have our, the con our conscience, those of us that know Christ, when the world around us sins, they're in a different boat because they don't have the Holy Spirit. They have nowhere to go with their sin. It's just there. A constant reminder, you need to do better. Or a constant reminder that there's no way out. For us that know Christ, godly grief 
produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, where worldly grief produces death. Having guilt is not enough. Repentance is necessary. Confession is a formal statement admitting that one is guilty of a crime. Now, does, I know as I was studying this, does repentance happen, then confession, or confession, then repentance, or is it all at the same time? The outworking is, at the beginning, you're feeling bad about sin. You say, God, I agree with it. I, I'm guilty as charged. And confess it to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I need your forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. How is he just? Sin, God just doesn't look over our sin. It's because Jesus' sacrifice was complete. It's one and done. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God for that. Amen. Maybe you've been walking with God for 50 years and the, the awe of that fact is not forefront in your mind. The opportunity for us to come to God and not like Adam and Eve, go hide in the bushes, but to run to him and say, Lord, I did it again. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why should my standard for Teresa be any different than God's? Maybe there's somebody in your life that you're, you accept God's forgiveness, but you're not going to forgive that person. They've got to prove it or whatever your line is. Praise God, his line is, Jesus Christ's sacrifice for my sin is complete, one and done. James 5, 14 to 16. Let's turn there. Once in a while this happens, someone will come and ask the elders to meet with us, and we are happy to meet with them. We don't perform a healing service or anything like that, but some sin impacts us physically because we carry it for too long. Sometimes, not always, if you have a physical ailment, it's not, it, yes, it's about working of sin because we're all going to die eventually. But sometimes we allow our sin to fester and fester and fester. God's trying to get our attention. James 5, 14 to 16. And any, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. When we confess, it opens that door for healing, sometimes physical healing, sometimes spiritual, emotional healing, sometimes relational healing. Lord, I'm sorry that I've been holding this against that person. You've forgiven them. I will too. The prayer for one another as we confess to one another, hey, you know what? I've been struggling with this. Would you help me? Just hold me accountable. Hey, would you help me with this attitude? Hey, would you, whatever it might be, as we 
Are priests a priest? We're all priests. We don't have to go to a priest. We are priests. We don't have a stand up and confess all your sins session here at the chapel. But that doesn't mean that there's not sin happening all the time in all our lives. We have the opportunity to not just sweep it under the rug and put a happy face on. We can sweep it under the rug and know that God has dealt with it. It's been paid for. It's been forgiven. And so our smile is real. Not because of us, because of him. Forgiveness. Guilt, repentance, confession, forgiveness. Forgiveness, God's promise not to count our sins against us. Biblical forgiveness requires repentance on our part, turning away from our old life of sin and faith in Jesus Christ. Let's turn to Romans, if you don't mind. Sorry, I just think it's important that we remind ourselves of these basic truths. See where they are in God's word. Walk away with his truth and hold on to them because this is what we have to grab onto. Romans 4, verse 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Wow. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose lawless sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count sin. I'm going to have to rush through this. I apologize. I just looked at the clock. Romans 5, we're not only forgiven, we're made righteous. So not only is it, we're not brought to zero, our account is filled up. We talk about a relational account with your spouse. You can put deposits in, you can make withdrawals. What did Jesus do on the cross? He, not, he didn't bring our account to zero with God, he filled it. We've been made righteous. What? I know that's not me, you know that's not you. Let's live lives that are filled with thanksgiving. That's why we do what we do. That's why we want to live holy, holy, holy lives. Not to earn his favor, but to live out what he's already said we are. He says you're righteous. Live that way. Romans 5.8, Jesus died for sinners. Are you saved and do you know it? Are you unsaved and know it? If you don't know Christ this morning, I just plead with you. It is so simple, it's hard. Just believe. Acts 16, 31. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. You can get all the doctrine later. What you have to understand is Jesus Christ died for your sins. Acknowledge those sins. Agree with God. Repent of them and believe. Believe is living it out. Once you believe, it's a one and done, but then it's also a continual process of acknowledging that I am one of Christ. If you don't know that for certain this morning, please don't leave this place. Grab, grab one of us. We'd love to sit with you. It's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that would even show you that you need Christ. Do you know your sins are forgiven? Does the Holy Spirit confirm it in your life? Romans 8, 6. Are you saved and know it? Brothers and sisters, God sees you as completely forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you walking with God knowing he has forgiven you and has chosen to forget your sins? Isn't that great? 
Are you walking in the guilt of past sins? How does God see you? He sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. All sins are paid for at the cross. We are not to walk with guilt. We can be real and say, I'm a sinner. Yes. But to carry something that Jesus has already carried on our behalf is a waste of energy. We need to accept that forgiveness that's there. Guilt, repentance, confession, forgiveness. Take it. Believing that God is true to what he says. Our confidence is in the finished one and done sacrifice of Jesus Christ, not our own righteousness. Keep short accounts with God. I tell you what, if you want to try a prayer that nails me, as you put your head on the pillow at night, say, Lord, what other things I do today that were short? Oh, wow. Better be ready for an extra 20 minutes a night. Oh, yeah. That one, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, I need to talk to that person. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Live lives worthy of the name of Jesus Christ. If you're walking around defeated by sin, there's no need for it. With the Holy Spirit's help, we should strive to be holy. What Jesus say? Go and sin no more. Let's not be comfortable with sin in our life because it's paid for. Let's not be wanton with the sacrifice that Jesus made. What about habitual sins after salvation? Romans 12, Satan is the accuser. He's saying, Bob did this, God. Bob did this, God. He's, God says, Jesus paid for it. Paid and done. Complete. He's the accuser. Continually. Therefore, let him who knows to do good and doesn't not do it to him it is sin. You might be saying, hey, I didn't lie this week. Good for you. When I see the garbage in my kitchen full, I can cram it down or I can take that garbage out, not hoping that Teresa would do it. When I know I should do it, that's a sin. He that knows to do good and doesn't do it. When I don't turn my socks right side out, when I don't pick up the trash on the floor in the kitchen, that's sin. Let's call it what it is. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. We need to quit giving ourselves a pass. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. Jesus paid for all of those. Think of the pile of that. You may be doing well. I may be doing well. There's always more that the Holy Spirit would have for us. Let's not be satisfied with not just sinning. Let's love Christ by doing right. Amen. Romans 6. Cheap grace? No. Do we keep sinning that grace may abound? No. Jesus' death broke the power of sin. We're now alive to Christ. If you want a good study, go to Romans 6. It's awesome. Now do the things that lead to holiness. Verse 22. We all know verse 23, Romans 6, 23. Look at 6, 22. 1 John 1, 8 again, salvation. We're not to live in relentless guilt leading to death. Repent, confess, by faith receive 100% forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. We all sin. Continuing to sin is not okay. But... No temptation is overtaking you, such as common to man. God will provide you a way of escape. We don't have to sin anymore. We're no longer in bondage. If you know Christ, the Holy Spirit's inside of you. You have the power to say no. The Old Testament saints did not have that same weapon inside. 
Praise God for that. Why? Because Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross didn't just cover sin, it paid for it. So the Holy Spirit can come and live inside of this awful sinful self and see me as holy, righteous. I've not only been forgiven, but my account's filled up. Your account's filled up. Let's live that way. Romans 12, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I love what the NLT, do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Brothers and sisters, may we not just be satisfied, revel in the forgiveness that's complete, the sacrifice of Christ that's one and done. May we live lives that are focused on not allowing sin to conquer us, but to overcome evil with good. The sin that's in my life, I've got to fill that time. I've got to fill that passion. I've got to fill those things with something. I don't think we're supposed to just fill it with busy work. Let's do good in the name of Christ. Let's look for opportunities to share his love with someone. It's been said from this pulpit, how much do you have to hate someone to not share Christ with them? I close with this. This week, Teresa and I were bringing supper to somebody and we spilled the pop in our car. Frustrating. All we had to do was hold it. Pull over. I'm getting the things out. Thankfully, I wasn't whatever. And a guy was walking by and I just said, can you believe this? We just spilled a Coke in our car. We started laughing back and forth. And he kept walking. He was walking home from Walmart. Started to get back in the car and I just thought, you know, how much do I have to hate someone to not share Christ with them? I reached my pocket, have a track. You got to be ready. Hey, ran over to him. Said, I just want to share Christ with you. Do you know him by chance? Has anyone ever taken a Bible and show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven? He didn't let on. We started through the track and all of a sudden he said, you know what? This is a God appointment. I haven't been going to church. I know this. Turns out he was, has been a drummer at Percy's church at Christian Fellowship. He knows. He said, Percy would go to me. You need some fellowship. Get back in church. He'd go, that's exactly what he'd say. Praise God I spilled pop in our car, that we spilled pop in the car. There may be things that happen. (laughs) I was frustrated, right? (laughs) Thankfully, we have weatherproof mats for for winters here, so nothing got, no harm done. I forgive you, it's over, it's done. (laughs) God makes things happen in our lives. There's gonna be things hit you in the face this week that are gonna frustrate the snot out of you. Let's leave our eyes open. Let's not be overcome by evil, but let's overcome evil with good. Brothers and sisters, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. We are sinning a lot more than we think we are as a church. We are sinning a lot more than we want to admit. Let's not wallow in that guilt. Let's repent of it. Let's confess it. Let's move on and accept God's forgiveness. 
Let's live lives that impact the world. We don't know how long we have. Our sins are completely paid for, not just covered. Jesus' sacrifice is one and done. It's finished complete. Guilt, repent, confess, forgive. Focus on doing good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the complete, finished work of Christ. We talk about it. We know it. And yet so often, it's not forefront in my mind. Thank you for this reminder this morning. Thank you for these verses that remind us that we are sinful and you know it. And you sent your son to completely, 100% pay for my sins. Thank you. Lord, if there be anyone here this morning that does not know for sure that there's not an evidence of the Holy Spirit inside of them saying, I am a child of God. I have been forgiven. Lord, as your word says, Acts 16.31, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? There wasn't a whole list of things to do. There wasn't a whole list of things to understand. Five-year-olds can understand it. Paul's response was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. Lord, help us to live lives filled with faith, believing that you have done what you've said you've done, which is not just taken away our sins, but you've imputed righteousness into our account. As we carry your name this week, help us not to be satisfied with not sinning. Help us to see opportunities to be your hands and feet to be your mouthpiece in the world around us that so desperately needs Christ. They are stuck in the cycle of guilt because they have nowhere to go with sin. Help us, Lord, to take this good message of yours to the world around us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.